can open up our hearts to receive from you. And Lord, you can speak deeply into our lives, transforming and changing us, Lord. And we know that as we come to you, that we are transformed into the image of Jesus. So we pray today, Lord, and we, we open our hearts to you, that you might speak into each life. And I pray today, Lord, that people will be set free receiving your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up, uh, I had a fair bit of contact with a, a young guy uh, called Glenn. That's his real name. But, um, and he, he, Glenn, Glenn was a, a good kid, you know, but he, he struggled with his family, and um, particularly his father. His father was a detective in the police force, where I come from, Victoria. And his, his father was quite a, a big man, physically imposing sort of a guy. And, and the issue is that his father never, never seemed to grasp or, or get uh, the ability to engage his son at an emotional level or, or relationally. He, he never, never did. And so um, what happened is his parents, Glenn's parents were churchgoers. They were Christian people and they were churchgoers. But the trouble is Glenn never seemed to be able to live up to his father's expectations. Um, it was never quite good enough. And so as time went on, it just got sort of worse and worse. You know, Glenn never had the right words. He never had the right behaviors. He never was never able to meet his father's expectation. And eventually, he had to move out of the house into a little shed in the backyard because he just couldn't, he couldn't stay in the house any longer. It was quite a tragic scenario in, in that way. And he grew up where his biggest challenge was just to live up to his father's expectations. And he never was enough. He never, ever did make the grade. And I'm asking you this morning, are you enough? Are you good enough to meet the expectations that are around you? Maybe from significant other people in your life. Maybe it's an employer. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's, maybe it's a deceased parent or something like that. Who, who, who are the people putting expectations on you? And here's the real question that we all need to ask ourselves this morning. Um, what about my list? My, my list of things that I need to uh, tick, boxes I need to tick so that I can actually live up to those expectations. What about my list of ways that I've always fallen short and never really met the expectations of people around me? Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I strong enough? Am I pretty enough? I didn't need to worry about that for myself, but, you know, just am I enough? And I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Are you enough? How's your list going? You know what happens in the middle of all this? Um, our world starts shrinking. If we live in a world that's dominated by what other people want for us or other people think of us, or the expectations of others, what happens is our world starts shrinking. And we start to, you know, our emotions become jaded. We start losing our joy. Uh, we start to get numb to the things happening around about us. And eventually, we lose the ability to express our emotions. We become detached from, from our emotional world and from um, the reality around about us. And we start looking at people around us, hoping to see the cracks in their lives, where they've fallen short, just to make us feel a little bit better. And, and what happens right here is that Jesus comes to us right there at that moment. And he says this in Matthew 11. Are you tired, 
worn out, burnt out on religion. Do I need to change this microphone? It's like kind of echoing a bit out there somehow. Are you tired, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. How many of us here have grown up either in a family environment or maybe even in a church scenario where you had to do this, you had to tick all the boxes. You had to be this, you had to be that, wear these kind of clothes, have this kind of language. You had to do this and do that to to meet the, the standard that was required. I won't put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I want to say this morning, friends, that following Jesus is not a standard to be kept or to live lived up to. You know, someone there's always someone asking, well, are you up to it? Are you, are you up to, have you, have you ticked the boxes? Are you up to the standard? Jesus says, let me come into your heart, into your life. I'll start to change you on the inside out. And I'll transform your life. And that's what Jesus is talking about. When he says, come to me and walk with me and and work with me. Learn how I do it. I'm not going to put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I'm going to transform you from the inside out. I love that. When Paul's talking to the Roman, the church at Rome, He says in chapter 12, he says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. And that's what happens, friends. It's the culture around about us that says you've got to do this. You've got to dress this way. You've got to look this way. You've got to talk this way. You've got to think this way. You've got to be this way. And Paul says, don't worry about all that stuff. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture around you that you fit into it without thinking. Let Jesus come and change your life, transform your life. And I want to just share with you this morning uh, a number of ways in which the enemy tried to make Jesus conform to the culture of his day because it's got a lot to do with us and how we need to live in our culture today. I'm going to talk for a few moments about the temptations of Jesus. I'm not going to read it. It's in Luke chapter 4. You can read it for yourself if you like. But, you know, our culture is always trying to convince us You can be enough. You can meet the standard, and this is how you do it. And God says, no, 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 no. You don't have to conform to what the culture of your day says. You need to let me transform you on the inside. The first thing that happened, Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, it says he went out into the desert, and he was, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not sure if anybody here has ever fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, but uh, that's a pretty serious thing to do. I, I think I, I, mean, I got up to three days. I'm okay at three days, but um, I'm sure people here have done a lot, a lot more than that. Um, but he did, and it says, Then the devil came and tempted him. And this is what he said. It says, after, after the fasting, Jesus was hungry, and the devil came to him, and he said to Jesus, Okay, turn these stones here. It's out in the desert. Turn these stones into bread. And really what he was saying is, Jesus, you're the miracle worker. You're supposed to be the son of God. 
If you are such a miracle, why don't you just turn these stones into, into food? I mean, what's wrong with a bit of food when you haven't been eating for 40 days? But what he was really saying was, Jesus, just do something. Do something to validate yourself. Do something to prove who you are. And you know, exactly the same uh, insinuation or the same kind of thinking or the same kind of test uh, in our culture around us. If you just do something to validate yourself or prove yourself, get busy, make it happen. You know, I think this is one of the things that's really at the core of what drives us a lot, particularly men, I would say, but women are also prone to this, about busyness. You know, how many of us here find ourselves always busy? Someone rings up on the phone and say, how are you going? Oh, flat out like a lizard drinking, or I'm like, flat out like a rat up a rope, or whatever your little acronym or whatever your little saying is to, to validate yourself. I mean, I do it too. I'm not having a go at anybody here. I do it too. We like to validate ourselves by saying how busy we are. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants to wrap you up in such busyness that you haven't got time to think and to, and to listen for God speaking into your life. That's why in this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, there's a lot of talk about silence and about stillness and about just sitting there doing nothing and waiting for God to speak to you. And I think we need to learn how to do that. Not be so driven, not be so busy. I mean, this is, you know, this can be in, in a workplace. It's often the case. It can be in families. But it can even creep into the church. And for someone like me that's been around church basically all my life, you know, I've seen a lot of things come and go in church life. And I can tell you that it's very easy in a church to get so busy that you haven't got time to look sideways. I mean, I, I remember once when I was on the staff of a particular church and um, I was going... I was out at meetings, I was at meetings six nights a week, I'm telling you, and I had five children at home and a wife, who probably wondered where I was most of the time, I don't know, six nights a week, and I managed to get one night off, I don't know how I did that, that's in addition to working full time in the church as well, and you know what, I probably thought at the time, I probably thought, I'm doing it for Jesus, I'm, I'm doing it because that's what you have to do. That's what makes it all happen. Actually, it was craziness. I look back at it now and I think, what got into me to agree to that? I remember Dell had, had a conversation with someone um, probably in the same era, a, a young mother who had, um, I mean, we were a little bit older probably in those days, but a young mother with you know a couple of very young children and um, very, very involved in what was going on and... and um, and this lady, young mother, was saying, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted, you know, but, but I guess I've just got to push through. I've got to, I've got to push through and make it happen. And, and Del said to her, well, maybe you just need to go and get some sleep. Maybe you need to have a rest. But that wasn't the culture of the day. That wasn't the way it worked in those days. You know? I want to tell you, friends, you don't need to be driven. You don't need to be so busy all the time. And the enemy is always trying to get us more and more towards busyness. It's true that Jesus hadn't begun his ministry really up to this point. He hadn't done any of the things that, that would have led to the acclaim of the people and so on. And so the devil was just saying, you know, why don't you just do something and make everyone approve yourself right now? What had he done that was significant up to that point? And our culture asked the same questions. What have you done? 
What have you achieved? What successes have you notched up in your life that really validates who you really are? That's why, friends, why the Father's declaration over the Son when he got baptized was so revolutionary and so important. When the Father said over, over his Son, Jesus, he said, This is my Son, marked by my love, and I am fully pleased with him. And he said that before Jesus had done anything, hadn't done anything. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, that God is fully pleased with you because you're you and because he made you, not because of what you do. I want to tell you, Jesus refused to be defined by his actions, by the busyness of life around him and by the things that he did because he knew who he was and you can as well. So the second way that the enemy tries to define you is saying the first one was, I am what I do. The second one is, I am what I have, my possessions. And so what happened is the devil took Jesus, it says, up onto, the, up onto a high place. In, in, in a moment of time, it says, he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And it's like he was saying to Jesus, look at all this amazing stuff out there. Look at the incredible kingdoms of the world. What everyone, what people have, look at it all. And Jesus, what do you got? You got nothing. And it was true. He didn't have anything. And all you've got to do is fall down and worship me and you can have all this stuff. And the, the culture of our day, friends, is always saying, always trying to get you to be defined by the stuff that you have. And if you've got a little bit of stuff already, then you probably know that stuff never really makes you any better, any happier in the long run. It doesn't, and it can't define you. Like Dallas with his couple of big motorbikes. You know, that's awesome, man. I got a motorbike, okay, and I really like it. That's not, that doesn't define me, you know. You know, I could probably get rid of it, you know, and, and it wouldn't worry me that much. Well, it wouldn't worry me very much. But, you know, you can't be defined by your stuff. You just can't. Here's a question. Where does the fear of not having enough actually come from? It doesn't come from God, I can assure you. The fear of not having enough doesn't come from God. It comes from somewhere else. It's, it's one of the oldest tricks in marketing 101, if you've studied marketing, is create the illusion of scarcity, okay? If you can get people to think, oh, buy now, you know, limited numbers, sign up now, it's the illusion of scarcity. And you just need this thing because it'll make you who you need to be. And in reality, you get the thing and I don't feel any different somehow. <laughs> My life has not changed radically. I've got, over the years, you know, when you've lived for a while, you just tend to accumulate a few things. And I've, I've had that experience many times. You know, you, you get the thing, but it's never quite what you think it would be and deliver in your life. Okay, so how can you overcome that scarcity thing or that fear of not having enough or not being enough because you don't have this particular thing? I want to tell you, the, the Bible's got a great antidote for this, and I, I love it. It's in Second Timothy, First Timothy. It's up there on the screen right now. It's called the power of contentment, being content with what you have right now. And I love this scripture. A devout life 
does bring wealth. That's right. Following God does bring wealth, but not what you expect. It's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. That's something that's powerful. Just knowing who you are. Since we entered the world penniless and will leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. Can you handle that? You can, Pam, can't you? You think that's it? It's the truth, though, isn't it? That is the truth. It's what God says. And if we can learn the power of contentment in our life, it's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. Here's the third thing the devil tried to do to, to get Jesus to define himself by the culture of the day. It's, I am what people think of me. The first one was, I am what I do. No, 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 Jesus said no. Then, I am what I have. He said, no, don't need that. And then it's, the last one was, I am what people think of me or their opinions of me. So Je the devil took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and said, just throw yourself down because the angels will catch you. You know, don't you know it's written, the devil quotes the Bible, by the way. He can quote it, probably better than you. He knows it. He quoted the scripture and said in the Old Testament, surely the angels will, will bear you up and, uh, so that you don't stub your toe on a stone, said the angels will protect you. Throw yourself down, Jesus. He wanted Jesus to perform some kind of spectacular circus trick where he jumped off, did a big dive, knowing that the angels would get him at the last minute. And wow, wouldn't that be something amazing? Man, people, that's how you get your name up in lights, folks, doing something like that, something dramatic. That's, that's how to get attention, the attention of the world. Jesus, you could be a star by just doing this. And you know what? Most of us are affected by what other people think of us. I would say, if I asked you to put up your hand, most of the honest people would put up their hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I'm affected by it. I care about what people think about me. And in there's a certain sense when that might be okay, but the question is, how much do you care about other people, what they think of you? Because you can care too much. It's possible. Some of us are even addicted to the approval of other, approval of other people. So... Why does our self-esteem go up when we, that is the value we place on ourselves? why does it go up when we get a compliment and it takes a nosedive when we get criticized? Why is that? It's because we're placing too much attention on what other people think. Now, if you're at work and you're not doing a very good job and someone comes along and says, hang on, mate, don't do it that way, just do it this way, change it. Well, you need to listen to what they say. You know, but don't let your uh, morale or your joy, you know, go into a, a hole in the ground. Just suck it up and do the better job. That's what you've got to do. That's the way it works. Why do some people go to so much trouble to give the impression their life is perfect when clearly it's not? Now, I'm talking about social media here. Okay, I, I am. Uh, maybe, maybe you're on Instagram or maybe you're on some other social platform, whatever. But you, you know as well as I do that a lot of people go to a lot of trouble to make it look just perfect, right? You need to know perfection is an illusion. There's no such thing as perfection. It's, it may be in the eye of the beholder, but it's not universal. It's not guaranteed. So I, I just encourage you this morning, and, and I think God is saying to us today, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. You know, don't become so well-adjusted to the culture of your day that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Romans chapter 12 says to us. So here's some challenging news and some great news. I'm nearly finished. About whether I'm good enough or not, whether I really add up to the standard. Actually, this is challenging. <laughs> Please don't all walk out when I say this. Or if you're watching online, just don't turn off. Just for a, give me about 30 seconds. Because I want to tell you, God says you're not good enough. God actually says you're not up to it. And none of us, but it also says none of us are up to it. I love this, this verse. It's so, it's so well known in Roman book of Romans. And it says, every one of us have fallen short of what God requires. Let's read it in the message. It says, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us. Just push the pause button right there. So you, what this is really saying is, you're not up to it, and neither am I. None of us are. And it brings us to the, to the next point. The amazing thing is, it says, God did it for us. This is right at the very, very core of what the grace of God is all about. And the fact is, Jesus is enough. That's the point. You're not enough, but Jesus is enough. He conquered death and hell. He, he went to the grave. He lived a sinless life. He died as a substitute for our sins. And then he arose victorious from the grave. And now the Bible says he is alive forevermore, forever and ever. And he is enough. He's all you need today. He's all you and I need. Now, that's a hard thing for us to handle this morning, folks, because you and I, we both want to be the hero in our own story. Is that right? You'd like to be able to rescue yourself sometimes. You, you don't want to be utterly dependent on someone else. You don't want to be in a position where you have to be rescued because you're just helpless. We don't want to be like that. However, the Bible says we actually are. We are completely helpless before God. We can't meet up to the standard that he has set for us. And so Jesus came, and he is enough. And, and I want to tell you, friends, that when we get a hold of this, when we start believing this, um, it brings a lot of rest. You can rest in this. In fact, I, I just like, if every one of us here could, could um, if you believe what I'm saying this morning, why don't you just take a big, deep breath, just go, because ah, it's okay to rest in the fact that Jesus is enough for you. He is enough for you. You don't have anything to prove and you don't have anything to lose because Jesus is all in all for you and for me. And you can rest in him. Not only that, when you get a hold of this and when you start trusting in him and you start resting in him, that's when God comes in and he starts restoring your joy. You know, and he starts to help you to get reconnected with who you are as a person. Because you don't need to worry about what other people think all the time. Uh, you know, meeting someone else's expectations or what the culture expects of you. This is so, so relevant for young people today. So relevant. You know, the culture is always trying to push people this way and that way. Trying to make them, are you enough? Can you meet the standard? Whatever the standard might be. When you know that Jesus is all in all. You can rest in that. You can relax. God begins to restore. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 12 as we come to a close. And it says, joyfully, you will pull up buckets of water from the wells of salvation. 
And as you do it, you'll say, give thanks to God. He's talking about understanding that in salvation or in, in the hope and the life that God brings, there's a lot of joy in there that we can, we can draw up. We can be drawing on His joy. You don't need to be depressed. You don't need to struggle. You don't need to be striving all the time because God's joy can fill your heart. And you can call out His name. Ask Him anything. Shout to the nations. Tell them what He's done. Spread the news of His great reputation because there are a lot of joy, wells and buckets of water that we can pull up from the wells of salvation. And I just love that concept, that idea. What if I um, said to you this morning, friends, and if our creative team can come back now as we bring this to a close. What, what if you could go from feeling needy yourself to meeting the needs of others. Wouldn't that be amazing? Instead of just always having to be rescued, to be able to help others. Now, that's because you've already been rescued, because Jesus has already rescued you. What if you could go with, from being consumed with yourself to being consumed with a love for other people? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be awesome? What if you could go from performing to actually enjoying your life? from striving to be able to deeply rest in God. Wouldn't that be wonderful to know that Jesus is your source, that he is your savior, he is your healer, he is the one who comes to bring restoration. And I want to say this morning, friends, that it's time to let go of those unrealistic and faulty expectations, the pressure to perform all the time, the pressure to be something that God never, ever intended you to be. It's time to let that go and just come to Jesus and say, you know, God, I just come to you right now and I, I know that you're all that I need. You are all that I need and I'm going to trust you with my future right now. Let me close your eyes for a moment. Mm -hmm.